Hello there, everyone. Fidelity is defined as faithfulness to a person, cause, or belief, demonstrated by continuing support and loyalty. It's the ultimate form of allegiance. So obviously, fidelity is a very important part of a relationship. Infidelity is a betrayal of a relationship. Yet infidelity is a leading cause of lost friendships, breakups, and divorces. Infidelity is not just about being sexually unfaithful. Infidelity is about any discontinuation of loyalty or support, a lack of allegiance. See where this blows the doors wide open for confusion? Infidelity is completely subjective. Some people have a very strict definition of infidelity. Other people have a very liberal definition of infidelity. Our particular definition of infidelity is comprised of our belief systems, of our personal preferences, and our education regarding morality that we had most likely in our childhood. If we witnessed or directly experienced infidelity in our childhoods, most likely we will not even recognize the infidelity within ourselves. It will be an enormous blind spot. This is especially true, not only if we witnessed infidelity when we were watching our parents or the way that they engaged with their friends, but most especially when we experienced infidelity relative to one of our parents in the way they treated us. If we could not guarantee the allegiance of one of our parents or their continued loyalty or support, then we will have no framework for fidelity. You will find that infidelity is perceived differently amongst cultures. For example, in some cultures it's considered perfectly appropriate and therefore not a breach of fidelity for a man to have a mistress. In others, it would be considered wrong and bad. In today's modern world, sexual infidelity seems to be the number one fidelity concern. But in reality, the biggest threat to fidelity is emotional infidelity. So what exactly is emotional infidelity? Emotional infidelity is when someone engages in what's called an emotional affair. An emotional affair is when one person is emotionally intimate with someone other than their partner, where the attachment formed to the other person negatively affects the primary partnership. Infidelity is all about getting one's own needs met. Without exception, when infidelity is present, it means that the needs that somebody has is not being met within the particular relationship that they are engaged in. And so the person goes outside the relationship to get those needs met in ways that are damaging to the relationship itself. For example, if we feel like we lack self-esteem, we may flirt to be admired by others so that that need is met. If we try to get one single person to meet every one of our needs, we are particularly at risk for infidelity because it places too much pressure on our partner. They will fail at that task, and then we will look for needs to be met elsewhere. No person will stay in a space of self-denial for long, which is why we have to be clear about which needs must be met by a partner specifically. But here's the thing about needs. You didn't come to this planet to deny your needs. You can't even if you try to. Same goes for desires. And so, it's really, really critical that this not be about trying to teach yourself or other people not to have the needs that they have. This is not about the appropriateness of needs or the inappropriateness of needs. This is about making it possible in your relationship 
to find ways creatively to get needs met in a way that benefits the relationship instead of takes away from it. Where we run into a huge block or a barrier with regards to fidelity is when we start getting into a morality conversation about fidelity. Morality is concern for what's right or wrong, good or bad. Don't even go there because it's entirely subjective, mostly based on cultural conditioning. So what I want you to do instead of consider the morality of your particular fidelity needs is to just address these as preferences that aren't necessarily right or wrong, good or bad, but they are valid. We need to reach an agreement within the relationship that is accepted by both parties. In other words, we need to set out the parameters of fidelity within each relationship we have, whether it be a friendship or romantic relationship, as soon as possible. This provides the structure for conduct within the relationship. It's a platform for trust which can be easily and innocently broken if we did not find a meeting of minds about fidelity enough to agree upon a course of conduct. Communication is not important when it comes to fidelity. It's critical. Like 100% critical. It's everything. Now obviously the topic of fidelity is closely related to the topic of jealousy, so don't worry. In the very near future, I'm going to be making an episode on jealousy and envy. Fidelity is about both parties agreeing on the boundaries of the relationship itself, as if the relationship itself was a third person or a third party. So when you get together, you have to establish the boundaries of that third person, that third party that is the relationship. For example, one person might see venting to other people about the relationship as infidelity, and the other might not. So this, yet again, leaves the door wide open for trust to be broken. So it's important to reach an agreement about this act within the relationship. Only you and the other person know what constitutes relationship infidelity. So leave society's opinion out of it. We have to begin to design and set up boundaries for the relationship. The earlier we can do this, of course, the better. A lot of times, though, I will prepare you that these boundaries, they're known to us only when there's a violation. So don't be surprised if you only figure out where the relationship boundaries are once some kind of trust or feeling of allegiance has been broken. But instead of flipping out when that occurs, what I want you to do is to just use that as a way to develop those boundaries and to thus strengthen the foundation and the level of trust for the relationship moving on into the future. Setting up boundaries when you first enter into a relationship is potentially the best way to go about this though, because as we have all found out in our relationships, <laughs> boundary violations can be so detrimental to a relationship that there can be no coming back from some of them for some people. For that very reason, it's pretty critical to try to figure out where those potential areas for boundary violation are before you actually trip trigger them. In other words, we need to define the rules that we're both playing by. This can prevent us from feeling like we're walking our way through a field of buried landmines. We don't know where the line is, but we seem to cross and trip the trigger every time. And you know exactly what that kind of relationship feels like. If you have a hard time with personal boundaries, it's going to be really hard to develop healthy boundaries within a relationship. For this reason, to develop healthy boundaries within a relationship, you have to know what each partner needs and wants and who they are. So basically, 
One way to develop healthy boundaries in a relationship is to start with healthy boundaries with yourself. For this reason, I want you to watch the YouTube video that's titled, How to Develop Healthy Boundaries. To define boundaries within a relationship, you must communicate. You must voice your preferences and see if compromise can be reached in every area of your life where you might run into a feeling of broken trust. For example, sexual conduct, privacy concerns, time spent together versus apart, and how to handle problems in the relationship. Try to be very specific as well. For example, if you're discussing the relationship boundaries involving flirting with other people, avoid making sweeping statements like no flirting. Be specific about what kind of flirting is okay and what kind of flirting isn't okay. And if no flirting is okay, define what flirting is to you in practical action. An example of a specific practical boundary with regards to flirting might be no touching or no seductive eye contact with another person. I suggest that when we begin a new relationship, one of the best things we can do is to answer compatibility questionnaires. And the more uncomfortable and specific these questions are, the better. This is provided, of course, that we are willing to speak our honest, authentic truth rather than just say whatever we think the other person wants to hear. But trust me, if you experience enough painful relationships, you'll decide that it is way better to discover you're incompatible before you commit to the partnership. These compatibility questionnaires can flush areas of potential future infidelity to the surface. I also want to say here that it's really important to be open to the idea of the relationship boundaries changing over time. Just like a person's boundaries, their personal sense of self is going to shift over the duration of the relationship. The third party of the relationship itself is going to go through an evolutionary process and is going to go through changes. Now we come to a very fascinating aspect of fidelity. Monogamy versus polyamory. For the sake of this video, let's define monogamy as intimacy only with one person, and polyamory as intimacy with multiple people. Intimacy is more than sex. Sex can be an aspect of intimacy, or it can be completely uninvolved. But when we're talking about intimacy, what we're talking about is penetrating somebody's internal world, getting in there, seeing into them, hearing into them, feeling into them. It's the closeness that occurs as a result of sharing oneself with another. So you see, most people on Earth are not entirely monogamous or entirely polyamorous. Most people on Earth are in fact a mix of both. To greatly simplify what I mean, let's pretend that everyone's name was on top of a sheet of paper. And underneath that sheet of paper were a bunch of boxes to check where you would be checking just like yes or no, you'd be checking polyamorous versus monogamous. In the various areas of a relationship, people will either be monogamous or polyamorous. For example, one person might be romantically monogamous, but polyamorous with regards to sharing intimate details about themselves and their deeper fears. Another person might be monogamous sexually and also monogamous with regards to sharing intimate details about themselves and their deepest fears. Intimacy conflict in relationships arise when there is an incompatibility between these checked boxes in the various areas of relationship. These various boxes fit into the categories of emotional, mental, and physical. When one is sexually polyamorous, they fit into the category of physical polyamory. When one is committed to the idea of openness and transparency, that fits into the category of emotional and even mental polyamory. 
be aware that sometimes we are holding double standards with our partner with regards to these particular boxes that we're checking. What I mean by that is there are some areas where we are polyamorous, but in that same area, we expect our partner to be monogamous. It must be said that most people in the spiritual field are in fact emotionally polyamorous. And if you're a person who lives in an intentional community, you are engaged in the practice of emotional polyamory, at the very least. That being said, it is entirely possible to practice emotional polyamory without being disloyal to a partner, provided that that partner does not require emotional monogamy from you in order to feel secure or a sense of allegiance. In fact, when we have children in a relationship, we begin to practice a form of polyamory. Now this is really important to understand. There is an enormous difference between infidelity and polyamory. With infidelity, we have broken an allegiance. This is what we call cheating or having an affair. Instead of including other people in our love, we have excluded someone from our love. We have excluded our partner or left them out of something. We are violating the relationship. This is why secrecy is such a big part of infidelity. If you feel like you have to hide or keep something secret from another person, especially a partner, you can guarantee you have engaged in infidelity. Depending on your definition of fidelity, anything that you do that is detrimental to the connection between you and the other person can be seen as a form of infidelity, which yet again is why it is so incredibly critical to communicate about your definition of infidelity. It is crucial to define what is and isn't considered detrimental to the connection. Complete open honesty and compromise in this area is important to create a safe structure of fidelity for the relationship. Defining this safe structure is often referred to by therapists as creating a couple bubble, but only you and the other person can know the parameters of that couple bubble and what pops it or maintains it. Compromise is when we give something up that's important in favor of something that we see as more important. Obviously, if you're going to give something up that's important for something more important, you see it as a good trade because you value what you're getting in return. And because of that, it doesn't lead to internal resentment. However, when we try to give up something we value highly for something we feel holds lesser value, we end up with resentment. This is not healthy compromise, it is sacrifice. It's important to know that when many people use the word compromise, what they really mean is sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is not a virtue. It's not going to get you anywhere in this world, except for full of a lot of emotional pain and pretty much hating everyone else for it. This is why when we develop relationships, we have to be incredibly open and honest with ourselves and with other people about compatibility. What you find is if two people have incompatible structures with regards to fidelity or polyamory regarding fidelity or monogamy, because if you have a massive, massive incompatibility there, the person will feel as if they're giving something up for something of lesser value, and they will resent you for it. And relationships will not survive that resentment. When we develop relationships, we rarely consider whether or not we are compatible. We fall in love and decide that our fate is sealed. 
but genuine intimacy and compatibilities with regards to fidelity are rarely incompatibilities that can be worked through because they cannot be worked through in a way that compromises satisfying to both parties. Both parties usually have to sacrifice instead of compromise, and this leads to breaks in trust, resentment, and disconnection. It is tempting to believe that love conquers all within a relationship. But, if this is what you believe, you may want to watch my video titled, Is Love Enough?, before you make up your mind on that account. Relationship experts keep saying that communication is the absolute key to a good relationship. Why do they keep saying it? Because it is 100% true. This is especially true regarding infidelity. If we don't communicate, we set up our partner to fail and our relationship does not stand a chance. We are setting our relationship up for failure when we expect our partner to know and adhere to the parameters of our definition of fidelity, expecting our definition to be their definition. We have to tell people, especially our partner, when our needs aren't being met or our boundaries are being violated in a relationship and give them and ourselves the opportunity to work through it to find a way to accommodate those needs. This includes our children. As parents, we practice infidelity with our children all the time without even realizing it. This is what sets them up for adult relationships where infidelity is a big issue. We have to take a look at our relationship that we have with our children. The best way to do this is to imagine or pretend to put yourself inside their perspective, engaging with you as a parent. Observe them from that standpoint, or I should say, observe yourself from that standpoint, and see if you can see any ways where you are breaking your loyalty or support to them, where it's obvious there is a lack of allegiance. In other words, can you see ways that you are not faithful to them by discontinuing loyalty and support? For example, perhaps when you sided with a sibling against them, they might have felt betrayed. Do they observe infidelity between you and your spouse? Chances are, in a relationship, you're going to make mistakes. That's why instead of concerning yourself with never making mistakes within a relationship, and trying absolutely everything you can to maintain fidelity. I want you to concern yourself more so with repairing once those mistakes have been created. Rupture in a relationship is inevitable. Repair in a relationship is necessity if we want there to be a stable security within our relationship. Therefore, creating repair in a relationship once rupture has occurred is one of the most critical things with regards to fidelity and relationships. Use mistakes made within a relationship to define boundaries and then act according to those boundaries to create a greater sense of trust within your relationship. And as always, make sure that you are maintaining fidelity with yourself. Make sure that you are continuing your support and your loyalty to yourself. Have a good week.